Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We're right in the middle of severe weather season in North Texas, that time of year where almost every time it rains, it drives a lot of us to keep an eye on the radar until the storm passes. I'm Chris Blake, and on this episode of KRLD In-Depth, let's talk weather. Severe weather season and the thunderstorms, hails, strong winds, and even tornadoes that come with it is in full effect. It runs from about March until June, though meteorologists warn that severe weather can hit at any time. The tornado that damaged miles in North Dallas in 2019 happened on a Sunday night in October. And an EF4 tornado that hit parts of Dallas and Rockwall counties in 2015 happened to the day after Christmas. So it's important to be aware year-round. But the bulk of the severe weather we get in this area does happen in the spring. Just about a month ago, on March 21st, more than a dozen tornadoes were confirmed in North Texas, including an EF3 in the city of Jacksboro, about an hour northwest of Fort Worth. I talked to KRLD Chief Meteorologist Dan Brunoff, Meteorologist Jennifer Dunn at the National Weather Service's Fort Worth office, and Tarrant County Emergency Management Coordinator David McCurdy about the weather this time of year, that March tornado outbreak, and how to prepare for severe weather. First of all, Dan, what makes North Texas in particular susceptible to severe weather this time of year? Well, it's um, several factors. Uh, our proximity and where, where we are in the United States, um, we're east of the uh, mountains. Uh, we're close to a source of water, which is the Gulf of Mexico. So you need several factors to go into thunderstorm development. You need moisture at the surface, right? You need heating. We're a lower latitude city, so we heat up a lot faster than they do across North Dakota. We also still get cold fronts in March and April and into May even. And uh, we need clashes of air masses, a lifting mechanism. That's a cold front. And we also need uh, upper level support or dynamics, whether it's wind shear, whether it's change wind direction with height. And that comes in with a disturbance in the upper levels. And you also need colder air aloft. And that allows that buoyant air at the surface. It's warm and juicy to start lifting. You also need uh, upper level disturbances that uh, bring wind shear that's turning with wind with height and also cold air in the upper levels of the atmosphere. And that allows that air to continue to rise, cool and condense in the thunderstorm activity. So North Texas is in a perfect place for severe weather. It's also known as one of the tornado alleys uh, in the North American continent. Now, we're recording this on April 1st, and we've already seen 
a major tornado outbreak in North Texas this year. That happened on March 21st. It's uh, already getting busy. Of course, uh, Jacksboro, um, been confirmed, has been hit by a pretty strong tornado. Damage reports still uh, coming out as we're speaking. Jennifer, I know you went out and surveyed several of the sites at which there were damage, including the, the strongest tornado, which happened up in Jacksboro. What did you see there and what caused that outbreak kind of early in the season? So first I'll talk about the cause of that event. Um, it, it was early in the season, but beginning of or say middle of March is usually the beginning of our severe weather season. And so we've seen a lot of activity already in the first few weeks of it. And that peak severe weather season continues through early June with a, a strongest peak in April and in May. So we just had all the ingredients that Dan just talked about coming together um, with the March 21st event. We had um, a strong upper level system uh, com combined with the dry line and a cold front. We had ample moisture in the area and we had a lot of instability and they all combined for the eruption of these volatile storms across North and Central Texas, um, including parts down into the hill country as well. We had a total of about 17 tornadoes in our coverage area with closer to somewhere, I believe we're now between 30 to 35 across the entire state. So one of the hardest hit areas here in North Texas was Jack County. And I did go out to survey the, the following day and we saw um, a lot of cleanup that's going to need to be done. We saw a lot of homes that were impacted. Most of the damage to the homes were to the roof structure, meaning that a lot of the walls were left standing on these homes, which is definitely a, a good news for some. It wasn't the complete demolish of their homes, but it still resulted in a lot of damage within those homes and, and their belongings and, and the things that they own as well. So there were several homes, I believe, somewhere uh, um, greater than 60 homes that were damaged. And then we also had significant damage to the elementary school and the high school as well, where they lost a portion of, of the roof and walls in some cases around the gymnasium as well. The whole back parking lot is just strong with like the roof, the insulation, everything, the field house, it got a lot of damage. The ag building, it pretty much messed it up pretty bad too. We also got a hold of the elementary school, which I couldn't see what damage was going on there, but I know they got the roads blocked off there and they got ambulances going there and fire trucks going there. So I know a lot of their roof got tore off too. But the rest of the structure remained uh, fairly untouched and in fairly good shape also. So hopefully they're able to get some type of rebuilding in there and, and reopen those schools before too long, but I don't know when exactly that will happen. Along that path too, we saw just a lot of tree damage, probably some of the most extensive tree damage I have seen in a widespread um, area with lots of trunks um, uh, uprooted and snapped, large tree limbs just broken and everything just tossed about as it went along the track of that tornado. And Dave, you guys in Tarrant County saw some damage from that storm. There was a few smaller tornadoes here closer to the center of the Metroplex. What did you guys see after that March 21st outbreak? We were very fortunate here in Tarrant County. We just had a few uh, reported situations, and some of them weren't tornadic based on what uh, Jennifer and the National Weather Service told us the days after. Could have been some straight blind winds, feeling some roofs off, and a few things like that. Jennifer, talking about looking at damage when you go out to these sites, this has always kind of been interesting to me. How do you guys look at damage to determine the strength of the storm that was there the day before? So there is a scale. Well, tornadoes are rated based on the enhanced Fujita scale. And wind engineers and meteorologists and, and some other um, specialists have developed basically a scale 
looking at what was impacted, what was the construction like uh, of what was damaged, what was the type of damage to the trees, and just on and on. There's all these indicators that we look at, and they put together this scale, and then they put together descriptions of the degree of threshold, and they rated that with an associated wind that would cause that type of damage. So when we go out, we're looking at what was damaged. We're looking for these certain indicators and then trying to assess the level of damage that occurred to that structure, let's say, or that tree, if that's what we're looking at, and using the this uh, developed scale to figure out what the wind speeds were that may have caused that type of damage. And there's some flexibility, uh, kind of a range. It's not a set hard number per se, but for homes in particular, we're looking at what type of construction, what type of um, uh, attachment did it have, uh, whether it's the roof or the walls and the foundation, for trees, we're looking at, you know, what size of tree limbs was damaged, was the trunk snapped, the um, condition of the trees as well, and any of the vegetation, which is really important right now because we're in a drought and the trees are stressed. So they're not as sturdy as they would be maybe in other years. And so they may fall under uh, lower wind speeds. And that's something we have to consider as we go through this year too. So there's a lot of factors that go into it, into it but we're essentially looking at what was damaged and what was the degree of damage to determine what the rating is and what the maximum winds would have been with each and every tornado. So the fact that we had this event already and we had a confirmed tornado a few days ago earlier this week, Dan, since we've had this stuff already this season, does that necessarily mean we're in for a more severe spring or is it very day-to-day -day as different systems come through? Yeah, it's a day-to-day. -day. I mean, goodness, we're, we're, some people are doing 10-day forecasts. And I always say after day five, it becomes a trend. Uh, we really can start to hone in on our next severe, severe weather outbreak uh, five days out or so and, and then really hone in as we get into 24 and 48 hours as far as the area that will be affected uh, and the coverage of this area for thunderstorm and severe thunderstorm activity. You get past day seven, it becomes a trend, but um, we do have what's called La Nina and El Nino, and typically we're in a La Nina pattern right now. And as we've already experienced, as Jennifer was saying, we're in a pretty severe drought right now. Uh, heck, we're thinking of over six inches now below average since December 1st of last year. And so, it's been very dry over the winter, and this La Nina is still holding on here through the spring before it goes neutral this summer. And from what I've read, we may get into a weak El Nino, which is a wetter than average weather pattern as we work our way into the fall and winter of next year. So if I were a betting man, I would say it won't be too bad, uh, but we will have our episodes of severe weather, just like we did with the colder air. Typically, we're warmer than average with the temperatures through winter in La Nina. And we had two outbreaks of Arctic air and two winter weather events. So, yes, we will have severe weather again here, especially in April and May, because climatologically speaking, April and May are our two busiest months for severe weather. So, yes, we will have more severe weather, but it may not be as extensive as previous years, especially during El Nino events. You mentioning that possibly wetter fall, I think, is something that perks everybody's ears up a little bit because we all know we are in a little bit of a drought. So this spring, which would normally be a rainier season, may not necessarily catch us up. True. And they, we always say it takes a severe flood to break a drought. And typically that happens. Heck, we were uh, in a big drought uh, going through 2011 and into 2015. And then I remember that there was a, a stint of the three or four months in, in 2015 and the 2016 that we broke out of a drought. And then we were in a mini one 
uh, late into the 20, I think 18, 19 timeframe. And then we had heavy rain in uh, August, September, October, some areas received over 20 inches. And that's when we were getting back into a La Nina episode. So we're in a mini drought now. It hasn't been real long, but typically a tropical system in June or July, the Gulf of Mexico gets active briefly before it returns into late August, September from the storms coming off of Africa through the Caribbean into the Gulf of Mexico. And some of them make it into Texas, but that's towards the tail end of summer. So if we have a dry April and May, which we may, we can keep our fingers crossed. Typically, they're tropical storms that form in the Gulf of Mexico. They don't have a long time to develop as they move into Texas or Louisiana. But sometimes we get one of those coming up the I-45 or I-35 corridor that's a slow mover that can break us, break us out of a drought pretty quickly. So hopefully we'll get more rain, less severe weather. But if we don't, we still have some hope in the tropics early in the summer. I wanted to kind of transition into preparedness and what some of the warnings and watches and all that stuff kind of mean, because as we all know, there are a lot of people moving to North Texas from all over the country. And Dave, I know North Fort Worth, all those suburbs up there, they're growing like crazy. So for people that maybe are new to the area, what kind of plan do you guys recommend having in place this time of year? Well, it can happen on any time of the year. We've had tornadoes in December that were devastating. We recommend uh, a lot of a lot of different things. Uh, people have a tendency to uh, have their phones with them, so we recommend either somebody's app. You know, you choose one that you like because they're all pretty pretty reliable. You can get a weather radio, the normal weather radio, which is a very you know handy thing to have. Watching the local media is always a good idea. I don't want to discount, though, the um, uh, notification that you can sometimes sign up through your county or your city jurisdiction that you live in also. Those can be delivered to your phone as well or your tablet, sometimes email, text, and phone call. So check with the jurisdiction that you live in at the county and city level to see if they offer free notifications as well for anywhere within the DFW Metroplex. And along those same lines, I want to ensure that people have wireless emergency alerts turned on on their cell phones and mobile devices. That is a free program through FEMA, a combination with the FCC as well. But depending on what phone you have, turning that notification on can be hidden a little time. So doing an internet search for the type of phone that you have, whether it's Android or iOS, and understanding what it is called. Sometimes it's under public safety. Sometimes it's under emergency alerts. But that will guarantee that you get all tornado warnings automatically delivered to your phone as well. Some higher end or the higher end severe thunderstorm warnings that mention baseball size hail or 80 mile an hour winds or greater. And then um, most flash flood warnings usually on the higher end will automatically be delivered to mobile devices within the warning box and the cell phone towers within that. So ensuring that you have that turned on will make sure that you get those notifications no matter where you are and at night also too, whenever um, people might be sleeping and storms come through rolling at night. Along the lines of the um, criteria for that warning to be push notified to your phone, um, you said 80 mile an hour winds, um, is it golf balls or greater, I believe? Baseball or greater size hail. Baseball or greater. Also the, uh, the wind, of course, 80 miles an hour. And of course, if there's a tornado warning, which means Doppler radar has been indicating that circulation. Um, the sirens that go off when I grew up back in the 70s and 80s, everybody thought that those are tornado sirens. 
And I want to stress that they're now called outdoor warning sirens. You hear these sirens and you're outdoors. That just means you need to go in and gather more information to determine on if you need to get to your safe room or not. And those thresholds of the 80 plus winds or baseballs or greater, uh, that's typically when the sirens go off and or a tornado warning is issued. And I have, it's really simple. And what I try to say on the air and even on my social media, it, it's very, very simple for the public to remember these two things. Check the weather when you wake up and check the weather before you go to bed. The outdoor warning sirens, actually, there's a regional framework that has an agreement of, I believe it's 1.5 inch hail and greater and 70 mile per hour winds or greater and a tornado warning um, or tornado detected rotation as well. Local jurisdictions can modify that a little bit. For instance, if they have a special event, they may want to lower that. That's outdoors. They may want to provide, you know, a warning at a lower threshold than that. The wireless emergency alerts will activate at criteria that's a little bit higher than that. So that's going to be baseball and greater or 80 miles per hour and greater. But the outdoor warning siren is a little bit less than that. And then on top of that, the severe thunderstorm warning criteria is technically less than that at 60 mile an hour winds and one inch size hail or greater. A couple of those things that y'all mentioned as far as especially people saying, you know, they didn't even know the weather was coming or following local media. I will say I'm 32 years old. A lot of my friends, their instinct is not even to go watch or listen to a local meteorologist. Is there a challenge, uh, Jennifer, maybe in reaching younger people who aren't inclined to necessarily know where to look when these situations come up? There's always a challenge with trying to reach the entire population that's being affected by it. So not only just age, but you have language barriers, um, access to the information. There's there's always some types of challenges, which is why we try to be um, try to you know come up with different methods and the best way to reach everybody. So you're right. A lot of people don't even watch television anymore. It's streaming TV or it's satellites, which goes out when it rains. So what we encourage, uh, one of the things I think we could add to that is even if you don't listen to the local news, having their local app that can alert you still, even if you don't want to go on and read or watch the videos on there, which is still still good to do, but having the ability that they can alert you, um, even when the app is not open, is a great functionality of that too. So we would encourage you to, to pick which reliable source, make sure it's a reliable source, and, and um, still maybe sign up to get the information that way. Or like we said, your local jurisdictions that you can just sign up for and have it delivered right to your device is another option for that. So if you do lose TV um, or satellite, you'll still have that information back up also. As you mentioned, social media, there's a lot of presence on social media. Warnings are, um, in most cases, are automatically posted on it. So if you're on Twitter in particular, or on Facebook, you're probably going to see it from the weather service from you know, KRLD, from any of the other locals, you're gonna see it multiple times. So even if you're not following everybody, you're hopefully seeing it more than once show up in your timeline there, if that's where you are as information is coming across. So use the various methods around you with technology um, that's especially available on mobile apps that moves with you as you go. And even if you're not going to directly use that app, just because the fact it has that alerting process or notification can still mean the difference between life or our injury when these storms come across. I want to quickly ask Jennifer uh, this question. Just the other day, we had an EF1 tornado with 100 mile an hour wind in southeastern parts of Rockwell County. And as we both know, a tornado warning was not issued. Can you explain to our listeners 
why a tornado warning wasn't issued for, for that storm? So we recognize that there are instances where tornadoes or maybe even damaging wind and sometimes hail may occur before a warning is issued or without a warning at all. Um, meteorology is an imperfect science and, and we recognize that and we work hard to do our best and to learn and to get better all the time. We have some very powerful tools at our disposal, being satellite data is one of our biggest ones, but radar data is also one of our biggest tools that we use that allows us to see inside storms and get 3D pictures to track intensity, uh, weakening trends, rotation, hail course, heavy rain, all of that. Um, the radar, though, as a tool, still is not going to be 100% accurate. It's going to have its little quirks that we know about and we learn and we work with whenever there are storms in the area. One of the most challenging events for us, especially when it comes to tornado uh, activity or tornado potential, is lines of thunderstorms because the tornadoes don't form in your traditional hook echo with a supercell that you see on radar. They form in a different part of the storm, usually along the leading edge. And usually those tornadoes are happen faster and quicker. And they can happen unwarned, especially in those cases, is because they happen on such a shorter time scale and oftentimes a much shorter distance, is they will happen in between radar scans sometimes. Or by the time you see the circulation as the radar scan comes in, it's nearly gone by the next time. So we do have some internal um, challenges with, um, with do we still issue a tornado warning even though we know it's gone or, or do we count this as missed and continue to hopefully pay close attention to that it doesn't happen you know again we're always trying to get better we, we don't want to miss those warnings but we have to remember also too that the radar is scanning at a height at such and such level above ground and some of these circulations also happen below that radar beam where it is tough to see um, the smaller circulations that may happen with these quicker faster spin up type tornadoes. And we're not gonna be able to catch um, all of those. We, we do our best, but sometimes it will happen that it wasn't caught. We're very thankful that in this case, um, it was a short, small tornado, not to discredit the impact that it did have, but that everybody was still safe in that tornado. Um, there were no injuries. There is going to be um, a lot of cleanup and, and insurance and, and impact and, and lasting memories to the people that were impacted. And we're sorry that it happened, you know, it, it, the way it did. And we'll continue to work and get better. But um, there are instances where they can be fairly quick and transient, and it's hard to pick them up in between radar scans. Or by the time you pick it up, the tornado threat is already over and done with. So we continue to work with that as a challenge. Thanks to Jennifer, Dan, and David for taking the time to explain why we get the weather we do and how to best prepare for it. You heard them talk about following your local media outlets for the most up-to-date coverage during severe weather. To follow KRLD, download the Odyssey app and select KRLD as one of your favorites. We'll send you push alerts to let you know when severe weather is on the way. And of course, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or listen live on News Radio 1080. If you liked what you heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe to KRLD In-Depth. It helps others find the show. I'm Chris Blake. I'll talk to you soon.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.